Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast, where we unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. I'm Bryce Johnson. Hope you're doing well today. Check out our website, unpackingit.com. Be sure you subscribe to our weekday email devotional called Unpack This. Uh, You can find that on unpackingit.com. And if you haven't subscribed to our podcast, we hope by the end of it, You'll want to, and and you can subscribe anywhere podcasts are found. You can also find the video version of this podcast on our YouTube channel. Just search Unpacking It. We have got an excellent guest joining us today. His name is Dave Alpern, and he began his career with Joe Gibbs Racing in 1993 as an unpaid intern. Now he is the president of Joe Gibbs Racing, one of the most successful, uh, really, brands in sports and and successful teams in in all the sports, especially in NASCAR. And it's remarkable to think that Joe Gibbs was a Super Bowl winning coach, is a Super Bowl winning coach, and and now is a championship owner uh, all these years later. And and so Dave has been there for the journey. Uh, He's got an incredible story, and so he's going to share all about uh, his time with Joe Gibbs Racing and his relationship with uh, Joe's son, J.D. Gibbs, who who sadly uh, passed away uh, a couple of years ago in, in just a, a really difficult situation um, with, with a brain disease. And, and so uh, he'll share a little bit about that on, on the, the, the podcast today. Uh, but but so, so much of, of his story is, is focused on faith and, and integrity and purpose. And, and so that's what the Gibbs represent. Uh, represent and and that's what what Dave Alpern is all about. And so he's written a new book. It's called Taking the Lead: Winning Business Principles That Fuel Joe Gibbs Racing. And and so the the book is filled with just some some great you know secrets uh, of how you succeed in business, but more importantly in life and and how you find success with integrity with purpose. And and so we get into all of that with Dave here on the show. And and to think that. Uh, he started off as an intern. Now they got 500 employees, and he's the president. So uh, you'll love him. He's a big fantasy football guy. And so we, we start off the show talking a little fantasy. Before we jump in, let me ask you this. Do you need to get your own health insurance? Well, go to healthmarketgenius.com. That's healthmarketgenius.com. Support them as they support us. Stick around at the end of the conversation with Dave. I'll, I'll give you my big takeaway uh, from the, the interview. But right now, here we go. It's Dave Alpern on Unpacking It. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. Hey, 
And joining us right now on Unpacking It is Dave Alpern, the president of Joe Gibbs Racing and author of the new book, Taking the Lead, Winning Business Principles That Fuel Joe Gibbs Racing. Check out the website, takingtheleadbook.com. It is available June 8th, but you can pre-order now. Dave, it's so great to have you on Unpacking It. How are you? Hey, what's up, Bryce? Uh, I am doing great. And again, very grateful for you having me on. Thanks a lot. I, I've listened to your podcast. And when you asked me, I was like, hey, all right. That's uh, why do you want to talk to me? I'm so used to people calling and asking for coach. And then I'm like, hey, I wrote a book. Cool. I can do these things now. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, no, you, you've covered some some awesome topics and, and a lot of topics that I, I personally identify with. And so yeah. we're, we're going to get into some of the, these principles and, and topics. But you and I share a, a love for one thing. Now, it, you're a Tar Heel. I'm a Duke guy. But we yeah. share the love for fantasy football. And so I want to I start there because you've been playing. you got a few years on me. So, so how did you get into fantasy? And tell, tell the, the listeners how long you've been playing. <laughs> that just means I'm old, for the record, that I've been doing it longer. <laughs> but honestly, we've got a group of guys. Um, we just had Fantasy Bowl 25, which – I may or may not have won, but it's really, really not, not important. Um, but uh, yeah, so we've been doing it for 25 years. And the crazy thing is, uh, and I have I have three boys. I have 24-year-old twins. And so my wife was pregnant with them when we had our first draft. And the crazy thing was back then, there were no, there was no websites. There were no fantasy magazines. I remember I had an, uh, an NFL magazine that just had the rosters of all the teams. And I just drafted guys based on that. And we had to do our scoring on Monday from the USA Today. <laughs> there was no way to, there were no websites. So you had to manually do your score. The USA Today was the official uh, score that you used. And so it's a lot easier now with the websites and stuff, but it's it's legit. Like we, we are, you have to be present. We've had drafts at uh, FedEx Field in a box. We've had them, um, um, actually, literally, Dan Snyder walked in and interrupted one of ours because we were doing it uh, when, oh, it, when it was closed and he was a part of it. It was awesome. And so these guys, there's 10 guys and it's it's legit like there are no bye weeks. Everyone's really into it. So it's uh, we, we love it. We get so into it. It's a great way to connect with our buddies during the season. And I mean, there's massive trades every week, like first rounders going. I mean, it's it's a legit deal. And so it's a lot of fun. Again, I know people that don't do it think it's silly, but as a fellow no. fantasy guy. It's a way to connect with buddies. It makes every game matter, and it's just fun. It's just fun to compete with your buddies. Absolutely. I, I'm in a league with my high school buddies, so we're, we're pushing 20 years. We're, we're getting close. I think it's year 18 maybe. Um, so, so, yeah, so it's, it's awesome. And I started right when kind of Yahoo was getting into fantasy. So I, I never experienced the go to the newspaper and, and do the stats. So that's remarkable. And I guess that's old school. <laughs> one guy or multiple guys are, are tallying up the points. How did that? We had a, well, we had a commissioner and the commissioner's rule ruling kind of stood, but look, everybody knew exactly what your score was. You, you, you knew how to do it. We do, we do some other leagues. We do a league here at the, at the office and actually a couple of our drivers like Denny Hamlin, uh, Kyle Busch, super into fantasy, very awesome. knowledgeable. Um, one quick lap, maybe last fantasy story. I had uh, one year I had done a trade with Kyle Busch on championship weekend, championship weekend being the actual NASCAR championship. Kyle won the championship. This is 2015 in victory lane. We're celebrating. There's confetti. There's the trophy. 
Kyle Busch comes up to me and says something about Charkandrick West, who was the backup <laughs> running back for the yeah. Chiefs, who we had just traded, asking me how he had done in the game. And so, I mean, you you talk uh, about even the drivers get into it, and it's a lot of fun. It's a fun way to uh, connect with the drivers too. When we do we do some in house fantasy stuff here, so it is a lot of fun. That's a tremendous story. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> last thing, so you've been in the one league for twenty five years. How many times have you won that league? So I've been to eight fantasy bowls and won three. And uh, again, yeah. I wish it were more. I wish my fantasy record. Um, only one guy's been to more fantasy bowls, so it's 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 hard to get there. And so it is it is. There's a lot of bragging rights in that league. Um, we have a, our equivalent of a green jacket. So there's a championship sweatshirt of Patagonia that you get when you win it, and you kind of add the years that you've won it. So there's a lot of pride in our league to win the to wear to wear to have one of those jackets. So it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. How about you? So I've won two uh, rings in, in uh, my, in my main, my main league. I got the championship so, rings right no, here in the now studio. Why, why, now see our, my best buddy Moose is our commissioner and he makes rings for himself. Now we get rings in fantasy. So I, or, I'm sorry, in NASCAR. So I have a, right. a ring box and I have drawn the line at making myself a ring. I do love that is that is actually pretty cool. True story. Moose wears that ring and people legit think he's an NFL player. Like they're like, hey, uh, what, what, what Super Bowl were you in? He's like, well, it might have been a fantasy championship. So anyway, and, and that's it. awesome. Well, man, well, I, can talk, I can talk fantasy all day, but but I want to I want to get into right. uh, your story and, and, and we'll talk about the, the book. But but I think. And you'll you know you explain the the, the full story in, in in the book, but but encourage you know listeners to to check out the book. But but for those uh, that may not be familiar with kind of your story on on how you became the the president of of Joe Gibbs Racing, uh, very intriguing because it started off in the T-shirt game. So it so did. early on, you you've you've been with the or, the organization for a long time from the beginning, and and so uh, so so share with our our listeners how it all began. Yeah, Bryce. Really, I was an unpaid intern out of college, and I, I, I was—I um, had the opportunity to come down to Charlotte, and uh, I talk about this story in more detail. But they legitimately—they had nowhere to put me, so they cleared out a, a broom closet. Um, and I—I I mean, everything from an elementary school desk, an extension cord, because there's no electrical outlets in a broom closet. And this is early '90s, so it's pre-internet. So I mean, I have a spiral notebook, and it's not like I have a screen. And I and I had a phone with a big long cord and no one to call, and that was my start. I mean, it was literally as unglamorous as you can imagine. Um, I talk a lot in the book about being. Um, I had two sisters. I was the only son, and I was trying to make my dad proud of me. My dad was a uber high achiever, and you know, all I could think of was here I am in a a garage working in a broom closet for nothing, you know, boy, he must be proud of me. So it was a, it was a very inauspicious start. And I was doing things like booking hotel rooms. And, you know, I tell students now try to book a hotel room with no internet. You know I mean? Oh Everything God. was more difficult back then. And, and the true story, my first project, like I, I, I really wanted to um, make myself valuable. And there's a section in the book called delivering more than you cost. And it's talking about how do you make yourself indispensable at your company? And, and the way you do that is by deliver more value than you're paid. And so I was trying to think of how can I do that? And as an unpaid intern, it was a pretty low bar. So I was trying to figure out how can I earn my keep around here? And, and one of the things that I kind of thought of early on was, hey, coach is really popular. He was still coaching um, in Washington, the first little bit when we were as a race team. So I thought 
what if we were to make t-shirts that said Joe Gibbs Racing, this new little team that he started up and could sell them in RFK Stadium, which at the time was where Washington played football. So again, with no internet, I, I figured out how do you go screen print a t-shirt, figured out the name of the buyer at RFK. And I went and got a meeting. I said, hey, I'm calling on behalf of Joe Gibbs. You know, I was no dummy. I knew that was going to get me in the door. And I, I honestly, I made generic JGR t-shirts and I sold them to the guy on consignment. I was like, look, we'll do a kiosk. If they don't sell, I'll take them back. I, again, I didn't clear that with JGR first, but I knew they would sell. And the funny thing is I went in and I told the story in the book about it. I go in and meet with this guy. He, he goes, get me a PO and we'll do an order. And of course I shake his hand, I leave. And I'm like, what the heck is a PO? You know, it's oh. a purchase order, but I had no right. idea what he was talking about. And, and I couldn't Google it. So I had to ask somebody. So I made 72 t-shirts, brought them, set them up and they sold out. And, and interestingly, that, that launched my career as quote, the t-shirt guy. That was kind of what everyone called me. And so I started doing all the merchandise for our NASCAR team. So t-shirts, hats, toys, trinkets. And, and that was really more than a decade of my career was I wanted to be an expert in t-shirts or whatever, but nobody asked me to do it. It was just kind of a, it was one of those things where I was like, I got to earn my keep around here because I really like it and I would like them to keep me. So I was, I would come up with different projects, but yeah, the t-shirt one is kind of the one that really I would say, put me on the map. <laughs> and for many years, I was the t-shirt guy. I, I love it. And, and now you're, yeah. you're the president of, of, a, of a team and an organization that has 500 employees. Yeah, and, and so and it really is a remarkable story for you to, to see where you started and then to, to see where your career has gone. But then also JGR to, to see, you know, here's a, a Super Bowl winning coach who, who goes into to NASCAR and to get to this level of, of success. And, and so I guess at what point did you realize yeah. that, okay, this is going to work for you personally, yeah. but also the fact that, all right, this Joe Gibbs racing team is onto something here. Yeah. Well, interestingly, so, so you're, you're exactly right. So Joe got into it just at the right time. We had 15 employees. We we're in this little garage and I, I think we all thought this is how it's going to look forever. And mm-hmm. what's been interesting is, We've seen NASCAR from every single stage. We saw it as a little 15-person, one-car team. Then we grew to having two cars, then three, then four. So in NASCAR, it's a little different. Every week, 40 cars compete against each other. And of those 40, four of them belong to us. So I compare it to kids. It's like having your kids all competing in an event against (laughs) each other every week. It's very unique in that we, we actually field four teams that compete against each other every week. But we and the limit is four. So we are one of the we are as large as you can get as an organization because we're allowed you we have the maximum four cup series teams. And so we've seen it, though, from every stage. And and yeah, no, I think early on, you know, we won the Daytona 500 in our second season. And I think that was when we kind of went, this may work out. You know, we're, yep. we just won the biggest race. And and, you know, we had one team. And as we grew, it, it became evident. And, and honestly, you you could see. God's hand in what happened because it really was miraculous. Like it, our, it, it took us until 99 to win our first championship. And in 1999, Bobby Labonte, Bobby Labonte, and honestly, I remember us, we were sitting in the Waldorf Astoria where we had our banquet and we were looking around and here's Roger Penske and Rick Hendrick and these icons of business, these racing legends. And we're like, we, we won. This is legitimately a miracle. I mean, do you, we have no idea what we're doing, you know. And so you're, and so I think 
you could see at each sort of stage, sort of God's hand taking care of us. And, you know, you get, you try to do things wisely, but with a lot of prayer, um, ultimately it it still came down to, you know, you you can have all the preparation you want and God's either in it or he's not. And and so fortunately, you know, we were, we were able to be successful. And I think for me, um, you know, I, I, I talk a lot about in the book, you know, having years and years of I, I write in a journal and years and years of there were many times where I felt frustrated. I felt like, hey, I'm not being utilized. I'm not really appreciated. Am I going to be the T-shirt guy forever? I would kind of wallow in my, you know, mm. hey, God, didn't you make me for so much more than this? And yet here I am, you know, everybody just thinks of me as the T-shirt guy and I have so much more to offer. And and it, it wasn't until, you know, sometimes you you lose sight of be great right where you are, you know, be great at the small things before you think you're going to get entrusted with bigger things. And so there were a lot of years where I I, I didn't know if I even wanted to make it. I, I was like, you know, maybe I need to go do something else because I don't like making t-shirts or whatever it was menial thing that I had for many of those first few years. And I think there were a lot of lessons because I, what I ended up finding out, and I will probably get to that, but you know, God was really preparing me for something I never ever imagined. In in other words, I was for 20 years being pruned and being prepared for a job that literally never existed. Because I keep in mind, I work for a family business and I'm not a member of the family. So Mm. it took a, a, you know, actually a horrible tragedy um, to lead to my becoming president, which was kind of a story in and of itself. But, But all of those steps, you know, often in life, you know, our life really is we're here to talk about my book, but our lives are all like a book, you know, and there we, we, we are in chapters that we don't like. Maybe it's a page we don't like, maybe it's a whole chapter. And we always just want to be able to flip to the end and go, God, just tell me how this is going to turn out. But, but, and usually when we get to later chapters, we look back and we go, ah, now I, now I get it. But many of those early years, Bryce, I, I, I just didn't know. I didn't know what, how long I was going to be there. Or, you know, again, I loved I loved the place, and I, I often say the who to me is more important than the what. We could have been selling coat hangers, and it wouldn't have mattered. I loved who I was doing it with. I loved Coach Gibbs was a mentor. J.D. Gibbs' son was my best friend. These were godly men who were examples to me. The fact that we weren't selling coat hangers was a good thing because we, we were actually doing something pretty cool in NASCAR. But um, often we get caught up in the what, and we lose sight of you know the, the people and and sort of um, our, our why and all that other stuff. So that's a long way of saying, I, I think at every stage, I kind of knew the race team was going to make it. I didn't always know what my role was going to be in it because a lot of times it just didn't feel like I was, you know, I might do something really well, but it wasn't getting me anywhere in my in my estimation early on. Well, it's an incredible story. And and, and what I find uh, just so, so fascinating and, and interesting is the fact that, okay, you're not a member of the Gibbs family. Yeah. Yet you are so intertwined. Your your story is so intertwined with with them, and also from a from a spiritual standpoint as well. Right. So 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 what what can you share as far as the the journey of faith that that you've been on, and and the role that that both JD and Coach Gibbs played in your development yeah. and understanding of, of who Jesus is? Well, yeah, I was I was a actually I was a non churched uh, kid growing up. Um, Actually, my father was Jewish, um, but we we celebrated Christmas. We we didn't, but we didn't go to church. I really had no church background. I was, 
I was exposed to um, the gospel in high school through Young Life, which is a very dear ministry that I'm still involved in. And my whole family is all my boys have been leaders. And um, interestingly, in high school, um, believe it or not, the Young Life meetings were at Joe Gibbs's house. So here we are in the 80s in in the D.C. area and coach um, was having Young Life at his house. And so. JD Gibbs, Joe's oldest son, was um, ended up being my best friend. But JD in high school was um, quarterback of the football team, kind of the all-American great kid. But very, JD recognized early the power of influence, and I was one of those kids that that JD impacted. And and JD was my picture. So I started going to Young Life. You know, again, who wouldn't go to a meeting at Coach Gibbs's house? And I I was one of those skeptical kids that, you know, it was over a year of me thinking "Mm, they're trying to brainwash us. I had a lot of apologetics questions. You know, this just doesn't make sense. This resurrection stuff sounds crazy. And all the time while they were speaking, you know, the leaders, my, my Young Life leaders, Rick and John would, they'd be sharing these messages. And what, what kept registering with me was, I always knew there was something about JD that was different, but the more they would talk, the more I would go, that's what it is about JD. JD was my picture of what they were talking about, you know, what it looked like in a high school kid. And so for every stage of my career, JD, you know, I, I eventually, you know, met the Lord my senior year and JD and I became best friends through co- through college. And then in, interestingly, he asked me um, to come help, which, I talk about that in the book, just the fact that JD asked me among all of his other friends was this stamp of confidence that I lacked in myself that, that, Hey, JD picked me for a reason. Why did he pick me? And so, um, but through each stage in life, JD kind of was really a, a peer that was a picture to me of what it looked like to be a, a, a follower of Christ in business as a dad, as a friend, as a worker, just all those different things. And so um, it was just a very unique relationship. And then meanwhile, his dad was kind of a idol of mine and, and, you know, set the tone early on with, um, you know, I I'm spoiled because I, this is my only, I, this is the only job I've ever had. And so I've never been to another company that doesn't pray every Monday morning, you know, to start off our week, which we do. And that wow. time was sacred. And and so I, I had these pictures, I was very spoiled of, of what it looked like. And so all the while, you know, they sort of let me into their family. And again, all the while, I was uh, I was being prepared for something, and you know, JD JD got sick in about 2014, and um, about a year into it, he was unable to kind of perform the duties anymore of president, and and that's when the you know coach came to me and just said, listen, you're you're the only one that can do this, and you know that's when you kind of realize, oh my gosh, you know this, all of those different, you know, I was the t-shirt guy, I was the PR person. I did, I kind of did all the different front office jobs and that was, I was being groomed for this job um, in a family business. And and I think one of the unique perspectives that I have um, and why I probably was the only person that really was equipped in this way for this job is I can approach every decision from the same perspective that JD did in obviously JD um, and, 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 and think of things how would JD handle this? And JD had a way of handling everything that was all anchored in his, in his faith. Um, and, and I really, you know, I think I bring that here because I kind of know if we have a, and we have, you know, it used to be at a crisis every week or two. Now there's 
five every day. And so JD had this unique, steady way of dealing with crisis, just prayerfully, reasonably, rationally. And so I really tried to model that now. And having been so close to JD, that uniquely qualified me to, to be able to kind of say, how do we keep the culture and, and things the way that JD uh, had it? And again, it's different. And I'm certainly not JD. And I don't think the Lord would want me to be JD. But I think mm. being able to honor that and as much as I can do things the way I think JD would have wanted to, um, which ultimately hopefully are ways that honor the Lord. You know, that's, that's kind of, I feel like why I'm here. That's my purpose here. Hey, amen. And, and, and what a, a, a tragic story with, with JD yeah. and, and poor proceeds of this book, taking the lead yeah. uh, with Alpern goes to the JD Gibbs legacy fund, which, which also supports young life, which you mentioned, and I'm a, I'm a product yeah. of young life myself. So, Oh, that's I, awesome. Where now, where was that? Whereabouts? Where did you go? I grew up in Weddington. So I went to Weddington. Okay, okay. Young life. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's and then, and then I went to Crooked Creek as a, as a student. Yeah. And then years later as a leader, I went back to Crooked Creek. And, and so I'm, I'm a yeah big supporter of young life and, and absolutely love it. So, well, that's awesome. And JD's legacy fund supports um, urban young life here at Charlotte at some of um, uh, some of the under-resourced high schools. And so they were doing young life at, at West Charlotte and Harding and Vance and, and, and a number of those. And that was really where JD's heart was. And so yeah. we sort of served on that adult board uh, when he was with us and he went to be with the Lord two years ago, but um, yeah, so, so there, it's sort of a full circle thing. And so when I, when I wrote this book um, I didn't, you know, I it just felt like the right thing to do that my author proceeds would go to that. It's something that's near and dear to, to our family as well. And just really blessed to be a part of that. And JD really felt strongly that, you know, we had a leader that walked into our lives, Rick Beckwith, and he just felt like every kid should have a Rick that mm. walks into their life and, and communicates to them that, Hey, you are valuable and fearfully and wonderfully made and, and can just pour into their life on their turf and, and, and invest in them. And, 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 you know, it shouldn't matter what, where you were born or what school you go to, we need to make sure we have the resources to have that for every school in the Charlotte area. And so that's really what, uh, I think that's what the fund is geared towards. Oh, that's awesome. And I actually heard JD speak at a young life banquet, uh, years ago. So one of the Charlotte, Charlotte banquets. So, uh, so yeah, appreciate his, his heart. That's awesome. Young Life, and uh, and so again, the book is called Taking the Lead. So you'll be encouraged, you'll you'll be inspired, uh, and, and and learn some great leadership uh, tips and tools uh, from Dave, and and then also uh, support the JD Gibbs Legacy Fund as as well. And and there's so much that that, that I, I want to get to. I, I guess I, I almost want to take a step back, and, and you kind of mentioned yeah. you know why you wrote the the book to a certain extent, but, but let's, let's maybe unpack that further kind of why now and and why did you decide that, that these were the topics that you wanted to discuss, that these were the stories that that you wanted to share with, with readers at this, this point. So I'll try to not make this too much backing up. So 10 years ago, my father, my father, I'd mentioned, he, he actually worked for the CIA, had this really interesting job, spoke multiple languages. My dad started writing a book he got sick with cancer. And I, I really urged my dad, hey, can we record you, you know, in case you can't finish this? And ever the optimist, he, he said no. And, you know, my dad passed away and kind of deprived our family and future generations of his story. And so it was then 10 years ago that I, I told my wife, 
you know what, my, my story may not be as compelling as my dad's, but I really want to, I really want to write, I want to write it down. I want to document it. So I started, I started a file on my phone called book. And for mm. the next decade on airplanes during my prayer time, whatever, something would come to me. I would just voice memo of a principle, you know, um, treat people like a soul, not a transaction, or I would write down a story. Hey, don't forget about this story and how it applies. And so I just started accumulating and it was, but, but again, my story at the time, you know, I was still the t-shirt guy. It didn't, it hadn't gone where it did now. And I think when JD got sick, I was just felt like I was learning a lot. And that's when I really got intentional. And it was about three years ago that I went and sought out a book publisher and, and it was really had come together this, you know, now that I was uh, president and really the theme that is woven throughout my book that I think actually makes it kind of different than a lot of other leadership books. Most of the business leadership books that you read are written from the perspective of, of what I would call a, a the type A alpha leader. And I work mm. for one of them. I admire those people that that mm. alpha we're going to, you know, that coach. My, mine is more of a theme of reluctant leadership. It's very different. And mm. And I think that resonates with some people, particularly there, there are some men who feel like I'm supposed to be the alpha leader profile. And um, I think for me, it was, it just looked very different. Um, um, again, I needed kind of, you know, after lamenting in my journal for many years that I want more responsibility, all of a sudden God gave it to me. And I was like, I, I was just kidding. I don't want this. And yeah. so um, I needed, you know, some kicks in the pants uh, to do it. And, and to some degree, I still do. I, I'm not comfortable. Um, I mean, I love speaking and I love being in front of people, but I was much more comfortable as a chief of staff than I was, you know, being a president. And so I, I think that's an important message for people. And so a lot of that is woven throughout the book, but it also has the perspective of, I mean, I work for one of the all time alpha leaders, you know, ever, and, and have probably been the closest to coach for for literally 30 years, you know, in business. And so I've seen behind the curtain from that perspective, how um, successful business can be run. And, you know, he's in two pro sport hall of fames for a reason. Um, and so you kind of juxtapose, you know, there, there's this juxtaposition of me and him and our leadership styles and why they work well together. And so that was just important for me. And so many of the principles in there are both what I've learned from coach and why he is so successful mixed in with things that I learned from JD and sort of things that I've learned myself that are sometimes contrasting with that. And so, um, and, and really, I think my story hopefully will resonate with anyone. And, and I, whether you're a student, whether you're stuck in a job that you're not super excited about, because I've been there, um, what, you know, whether you're just starting out and you don't even really know what you're going to do, whether you're maybe somewhere in the middle of your career, or whether you're an executive running a company, I think a lot of these principles apply to you in any of those stages, because I've sort of been a part of each one of those um, and seen them firsthand. And so hopefully a lot of that will resonate with, with a wide variety of people. Well, I love, I love that approach. And, and you're right. There are different kinds of leaders because we see this with coaches all the time, that not all the coaches are the same. They have the same personality right. or the same philosophy or the same uh, demeanor and we see success yeah. across the board in that way. So I, I appreciate your uh, vantage point on, on that, that, that leaders are yeah. Yeah, different types in, in that regard. Uh, but the one common thing that I think uh, to your point about, we can resonate with, and, and you mentioned it already that, that treating people as souls, not transactions. So that, that translates across the board. 
And then another thing that you said, uh, business no different than life is built on relationships. And so this is something that I'm very passionate about. This is a, a you know core principle in, in how I operate and how I've I've kind of built unpacking it. Uh, it's all about relationships. And so for 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 you, how have you seen that play out, and and what does that uh, mean or or look like uh, in, in in your life? Yeah. So I mean, it, it couldn't be more true. We 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 exist on sponsorship. We're we're unique in pro sports in that. 75, 80% of our revenue actually comes from corporate sponsors. You know, we don't have a franchise model. We're very different. We have a saying that we have to hunt for everything we eat. And so as a result, you know, an inordinate amount of our attention is placed on those corporate partners. And we have, in my opinion, you know, some of the greatest brands in the world, you know, Toyota, FedEx, you know, Mars, Stanley, Black & Decker, you go down the list. And so, and, and our average partner has been with us over a decade. And I think what that's a testament of isn't just that we're good at racing, it's that we have great relationships. And because what happens is you build trust with these people. And and it is, Joe says it all the time, this isn't business, this is relationships. And it means being intentional. It means, um, you know, going to see them, spending time together, um, over delivering in everything. And I talked earlier about delivering more than you cost. That doesn't just apply to us as people, that applies to us as companies. I mean, if you wanna, you wanna have a healthy company and keep your customers, deliver more than they're paying you and you'll always have a good business. I mean, it's a very simple principle, but um, that starts with relationships because we want to work with people we like. We want to work with people that we trust. And so we have to build that up and, you know, you're making deposits in people. And when you do treat people as souls, um, they recognize that. And, and, you know, and that, and so I think that's the philosophy from the beginning. And you know, I mentioned that on Monday morning, we have prayer meeting, we pray for our partners, we, the people that we work with. We're praying for them by name. Many of them are dealing with health issues or they have things going on in their family. And, you know, we don't necessarily have to, we don't want to announce that we're doing that. We just do that because because these are people we have relationships with. And so you you become really attached to these people and you genuinely care about them. And it in turn turns into a healthy business. I use this example all the time. You know, we've won a lot of races. Um, I love winning, obviously, at the racetrack, but I get way more enjoyment out of the reaction of our partners. So, you know, I use this example, FedEx, um, they've, they've won three of the last five Daytona 500s with Denny Hamlin, but when they won their first one, I'll never forget, there were a group of executives in the in the pits, and we won the race, and we were walking to victory lane, and these people were bawling, like they were crying. They don't probably cry at other sporting events, but in this, it's a... The, the reason our sport is different is because the sponsor actually is the identity of the team. So the FedEx car won the Daytona 500, their car. The lead story on SportsCenter was the FedEx car winning the Daytona 500. You know, you can't buy that spot on SportsCenter as an advertiser, but you can if your logo's on the car that wins the 500. So, but right. all that to say, the relationship that I had with them made that, you know, that gave us so much joy to say, we are, we, we, we are delivering value to them and we're, we're rewarding their trust in us with success. And, and that when you don't have a relationship with somebody that doesn't happen, but for us, it is the, their family. And so we desperately want to win for them. We desperately want them, their businesses to do well. And so um, again, and I, that starts with coach. I mean, he, he's relentless, but he is relentless in his pursuit of relationships and he's, he's very intentional He's he's always calling you know folks and and uh, and and again he he acts like they're 
his only customer or his only friend. And, and I've learned a lot about that. And so again, at the end of the day, whatever business you're in, you are in the relationship business. I don't care if you're sitting in a cubicle looking at spreadsheets all day. At the end of the day, you know, <laughs> it's still relationships are a huge part of what you do and what we do every day and and how you view the people you work with. Like I said, you know, again, a small example of soul versus transaction is you you know when somebody's viewing you as a transaction, it's that, hey, how you doing? And they're looking over your shoulder at the next more, maybe more important person or they clearly just want to get through the pleasantries to move on to, you know, the more important thing that they have. You're sort of a cog in the wheel as mm-hmm. opposed to, you know, every interaction I was used to use as an example with JD, every interaction with me started with, how are you doing? How's your family doing? Or you'd ask me something about something that he knew was important to me. And that's that's more of a soul-based interaction versus just treating someone like a transaction to get to the next thing. And and it's in, it's something that's intentional that you you've got to work towards, but it makes a huge, huge difference that, in life what- and business, really. Well, and asking those questions and actually caring what the answer is versus just yes. asking it to yeah. check it off to get to the transaction. So for sure, uh, for sure. Yeah, no, you're, you're right on. And, and yeah, what an important thing for us to, to just be aware of and think about. Um, all right, let, let's wrap it up with, with this. And, and this is a, probably almost something that we could have led with. But you know, this, <laughs> this book is about principles of success. And, and you know, when, when we hear about Joe Gibbs and we think about the Super Bowls and all the championships and, and the, the races won and, and just the, the growth of, of Joe Gibbs racing, you know, this word success. And, and so maybe we, we, we think about it from a, a worldly perspective and, and you talk about the, the, the principles that, that do help successful yeah. business and what that, that looks like. But, but I know just having, you know, been loosely connected with, with coach over the years that he is about ministry. He is about changing lives. He, he does want to, to, to leave an, an eternal, uh, impact on people and, and JD, that was his legacy as well. So this, yeah. this word of six, this word success it means a lot more when we talk about Joe Gibbs racing, doesn't it? Well, and, and, and my encouragement to readers and to listeners of this is, you know, really it, it is, there's sort of this myth that, you know, if I could just get this title or if I could just have this money. And one of the things that I learned from JD and, and I talk about in the book is that, you know, let's, let's talk specifically about your occupation. That is not your identity. And I can tell you as someone who struggled with what my title was, and now I have this great title, it isn't my identity. It can't be my identity. And I need to fight to not make it my identity. There's so much more to me. There's so much more to you. And it's this idea of why are we doing all this? And and, and Coach taught me early on, look, we're called to be great at what we do. So so to relentlessly pursue winning and wanting to be the best race team is biblical. I mean, we we – Nobody cares what you think if you stink. So be really good, first of all. But then the question is why? You know, someday all these trophies, all these championships are going to mean nothing, nothing. You know, JD's, when JD passed away, I had the privilege of speaking at his, at his service. Not one person mentioned any accomplishment from work. Not, not mm-hmm. one. So when we wow. pass away, the wins, th- there's not going to be a scoreboard up there. The question is going to be, what did we do with it? What did we do? So for us, what are we doing with the platform that we have? Are we being disciplined with our giving? And again, I've watched Joe increase our giving, even in lean years where we're giving to ministries around the world. Um, We have a ministry inside the building. You know, on any given day, there's a dozen small groups and Bible studies going on in different rooms around the building. 
They happen through Zoom for the last year, but for the most part, um, we're, we're training up leaders within the company, much like Young Life, to, to lead their peers. We have full-time chaplains on property. Um, so it's, it's giving of our time, it's giving of our resources, um, it's living it out. And so, and, and so even if you're, you know, again, just starting out in your career and you're thinking, well, I don't have this platform, you do have a platform and it may be smaller and that's okay. You may be in a different stage of your life, but it's this idea that business is ministry. This is, we are all in full-time ministry, not just pastors, Amen. not just people Amen. who work for Young Life, we are all in full-time ministry, um, and that's the perspective that we need to have. And what are we, what are we doing with it? Um, and again, I have a different job than I had 20 years ago, and so I believe God has put me now in a sphere of influence that isn't that is just different. And now I have access to people that I didn't 20 years ago. So the big question for me is, what am I doing with that? Am mm -hmm. I am I wasting it just to be self-serving and win more races, or do or am I? Am I investing in those people, in the souls of the people that I'm dealing with every day and just caring about them? And am I, uh, am I being an example to the people who work for us of what a godly leader should look like? And I think that should be an encouragement for everybody that whatever stage in your career, and again, it can be small things. It could be the coworker who works next to you, just sharing a word of encouragement. Um, whatever it is in, in your small way, is it signing up for a you know, a, a club or a group at your, at your work and just volunteering and saying, Hey, I want to, I want to serve. I want to give some of my time away. What, whatever small way you can use your influence and your platform um, is ultimately, again, what I believe we're, we're here for. And, um, and again, fortunately, you know, God, God has given us a platform through this race team, but I think we're going to be judged not on ultimately how many races we won, but what did we do with it? What did, what did we do with this platform we were given again. Now we'd like to win a lot along the way, but but again, it's like I said, if if we never won a race and we ran last every time and we had stuff falling off our cars every week, I don't think anybody would really care. I don't think we'd have the money to give to ministries around the world that we do. You know, all those things stem from yeah. first be great at what you do and then use that platform to do greater things. Amen. Let, let's end it right there. And so the book is called <laughs> the lead he's dave alpern the president of joe gibbs racing and and you learn all about how to succeed with integrity and purpose and some great stories and principles uh that will help you as a as a leader regardless of the type of leader that you are so thank you well, for writing this book dave and thanks for sharing with our audience bryce i appreciate that and if you check out takingtheleadbook.com you can uh, order it on any of your favorite retailer and there's some real real blessed to have some really cool fun endorsements on there from some some folks uh, and you can read those on takingtheleadbook.com so so some awesome endorsements and people in nascar and the business world and then toby yeah. mack your boy toby, toby mack, mack. Yeah. that's How a whole nother that? whole nother story yeah he grew up in northern virginia great dude um funny quick story to end on i mentioned my buddy moose he's my best friend he was in the original dc talk went to Liberty with those guys. He was a little younger and he didn't pursue. He was like, yeah, you guys are a Christian rap group. You're not going to amount to anything. And he left. And so we, <clears throat> we've been harassing him for 25 years about that unwise decision that he made. But anyway, that's pretty, he's on their first album. It's pretty funny. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm a diehard DC talk, Toby Mac fan. So, yeah. uh, so cool to see him, his endorsement on, on, on your website. So yeah, very grateful uh, for that. again, it's, it's taking the lead He's Dave Alpern. 
And we appreciate you being a part of unpacking it today. This was fun. Hey, I appreciate you having me. I appreciate what you're doing. Great ministry. And uh, again, thanks a lot. Go, go JGR root for, I know you'll all be tuning into the race. We got Denny Hamlin, Kyle Bush, Martin Truex Jr., Christopher Bell. Pick one. <laughs> we'll go for them all. Finish one through four. All right. Let's go. Absolutely. Thanks. <laughs> There's Thanks, Dave Alford. Join us here on Unpacking It. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. And we're back in studio to unpack our conversation with Dave and and just excited uh, about his book, Taking the Lead. And it's always, it's cool to hear the stories of, you know, how how a, a business, a company, a an organization, a team, that they go from ground zero to then build it up and, and all these years later to reflect on, okay, what what did it take to get there? What lessons were, were learned? So I, I love that kind of stuff. So hopefully you as a listener uh, enjoy hearing some of that. And then that, that's a reason to, to read the book. Uh, and, and for me, you know, I, I started unpacking it from nothing. And so we're, we're still at the beginning. We're getting things going. We're seven, eight years in now. Uh, and so I've already learned a ton through, through that time and have a lot more to learn. And, and God continues to, to show me a lot of different things. And so I, I'm able to you know, pull lessons from, from other people. Uh, that are further along in, in their their careers or, or journeys. And so uh, so just appreciated, though, you know, what, what Dave was sharing and just how the, the Gibbs really represent their faith so well. Like, they lead with their faith. They're all about it. They don't shy away from it. You know, Joe Gibbs, even at this stage of his, his life, is still very involved uh, with the race team, but also with ministry. And uh, he's got a ministry called Game Plan for Life, which we've been uh, connected with over the years. And uh, Ronaldo Wynn uh, used to be there and uh, has, has since moved to a different part of the country. But um, but having been out to, to the Joe Gibbs Golf Tournament uh, a couple of times and to their fundraising events, and um, I've been to there's multiple things that, that they've put on. It's just it's just cool. It's cool that you know they they and Dave talked about this. You know, they, they they strive for excellence and they they want to win and they want to do their best and they want to work hard and do well but they want to use their platform for God they want to operate with integrity and purpose and 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 represent Jesus well uh, and I think the legacy of J, JD especially who he was and and just you know even him uh, Dave mentioning that, that at the funeral it wasn't about what he accomplished as part of Joe Gibbs racing it was who he was as a man and that's what it's all about. That's what matters. And and so to hear Dave talk about that too, it's not about the trophies and it's not about my silly fantasy rings either. Uh, it's about, you know, what lives are we changing? What impact are we having on people? How how do people see Jesus in us? And, and how are we bringing people to Jesus and pointing people to Jesus? That's what matters. That's what lasts for eternity. Racing, you can do it through racing and we can do it with, with whatever profession that, that we're in. To, to, to yeah work hard with excellence but but not at the expense of our character and uh, not at the expense of, of following Jesus and the Bible and and living by his principles and and following his way and and doing things his way um, so the uh, the big takeaway for me and I, I mentioned it because it's just something that I'm passionate about uh, where where Dave you know talks about it's about people and it's, it's about the souls not just you know seeing seeing people as souls not just transactional. 
and you know what what can somebody do for me or how how can they they help me but how do we really care for people how are we intentional with relationships and 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 I've you know early on when especially with unpacking it I was doing a radio show and then I was just meeting with people all the time like that's what I did early on now we have some other you know initiatives and activities that that I am uh, busy with, but, but I still love meeting with people. Had lunch today with with a donor, and and so that's that's such a a lifeblood for for our ministry are the people, the relationships. Uh, and this this ministry is for you as a listener. Like we care about the listeners. This is a ministry for sports fans, so it's about people. We have to be intentional with that, though. In whatever sphere we're in, we have to care about the friends in our life. We have to care about family members, not out of um, you know, obligation, but recognizing that, yeah, these people in my life, they matter. They are, they have souls, they have concerns and issues. They, that, that we can, you know, help come alongside people and, and they need encouragement. And th- those are the kind of things that we just have to be aware of. And then in business contexts, and, you know, for me, I've got donors, but I can't just treat them as donors that, that that give to unpacking it. These are people. These are wonderful relationships that I have. The, the guy that I, I had lunch with today, uh, he was a, a leader for me when I was in youth group. So when I was learning about faith and, and, and going to church and all that, here, here was a guy that, that came alongside me when I was 13, 14 years old. Now all these years later, he's supporting me in ministry and we're able to get together and have conversations. So it's about people. So who are the people in your life? Who are some people that, that maybe you've, you've dropped off, that, that you, you, you've disconnected, that, that you can reach back out to and p- pick up where you left off? And, and maybe sometimes it means reconciling with certain people. But, but life is about relationships and people. And you know, God, God broke it down. Lo- love people. Love God, love people, right? Or, or Jesus said that. But um, that, that's really what it comes down to. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, so that's 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 the official verse, but um, but that's what it's about. Love God, love people, and and so uh, so anyway, that, I just love that. That's a key part of you know this book about leadership and and success. It's about people. So uh, so love that aspect uh, that, that that Dave shared a little bit about today and and wrote about in his book. So that's my encouragement for us as we wrap things up here on unpacking it. Really appreciate you listening. Uh, that's a topic I could talk about all day, but. So I love you as a, as a listener. Love hearing from you. Please reach out, Bryce, at unpackingit.com. Thanks for all of your support, and, and thanks for uh, sharing the podcast, sending it to other people. Uh, we greatly appreciate that as well, and, and always for, for your encouragement when you send me a, an email or text or on social media. Uh, it means a lot to me, so thank you uh, very much. And, and so I'm Bryce. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected. And through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope that you will join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. We will talk to you on Monday, 1030 Eastern for the live show and always available as a podcast. And we've got some other great interviews uh, in the pipeline coming up uh, here on the Unpacking It podcast. So be looking out for that. If you haven't subscribed yet, be sure to subscribe rate, review, and share. And we'll talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It Podcast. 
For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackinit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.